The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Last week I spoke about the Christian life as a radical life, a life of radically following Jesus Christ, not making excuses, not explaining it away, not compromising it, but living it as Jesus did. No compromise, radically. There are many writers today, I've mentioned them in the past, who say that for all intents and purposes, Christians are practical atheists. You remember that? Basically, when we're in church, yeah, it's hallelujah, thank the Lord. But when we go out into the world, we live as if there is no God. Yeah, we're good Americans, maybe, but are we good Christians? So the radical invitation from God is to be more and more radical, to live the life of Christ, and to really push ourselves and one another to really show that it's all about Jesus Christ. And again, you can't get a more radical model than Jesus himself. He didn't have investments. He didn't own anything. He was dependent upon others. We're not, obviously, but he was. So how do we get from here to there? Well, that's the ongoing journey. But we got to at least give lip service to the reality of the radical invitation from God. And to admit, no, I'm not living up to it. I like my comforts. I like my conveniences. I like being able to go where I go when I want to go there, so forth and so on. But, and this is nothing new, uh, not wanting to live the radical life of God. We have it in the first reading here the Israelites were brought out of slavery in Egypt and they're going to go to the promised land and right away they complain. <clears throat> and they even say to Moses, Oh Moses, we do not want to hear the voice of God from the mountain. We don't want to see the fire of God on the mountain. Make it a little bit quieter for us. And so... That's what God did. He set up over time human prophets 
that would be intermediaries between God and the people. But right at the beginning, they were trying to say, God, yeah, 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 but. And don't we do the same thing? And yet, as radical people would say, God, give it to me. I don't care what you have. I'm in a community of believers, therefore, I, I'm not going to be anxious, as Paul tells us not to be anxious. So whether we're married or single, our focus should always be on the gospel message. And in today's gospel message, again, we have one more example of us, we human beings, how fickle we are. It says in the last sentence, because of what Jesus said in the synagogue and of his healing of this possessed man, his fame spread everywhere. One thing and his fame spread everywhere. He was kind of like um, some rock star back then. You know, people, people want to hear about that. Now, did it change the people? Some people, I imagine, did change. And that they saw what was going on and they realized something different, something amazing was happened and they couldn't go back to their ordinary life. Now, I don't think that's the way it happened because what happens at the end of the gospel? Jesus is saying to the same group of people, Capernaum, I did these great things for you, and now you've turned away from God. So much for fame. So much for these, these cures and these exorcisms. People are fickle. We really don't want to live the radical gospel because it really does mean we have to let go, we have to suffer, we can't make excuses. God has got to be number one. Not going to... Buffalo Bill Stadium, but going to church, being with the people of God, praising the Lord, and doing what God calls us to do. And again, Jesus knew this. It was not about fame. Fame is fickle. It's fleeting. You know, you may have a top 100 hit one day the next year. People don't know who you are. Now, it's interesting, though, when we look at Jesus, people know who Jesus is today. Many, many people, even people who don't believe in him, they knew who he was, who he is. And we're supposed to not only know who he is, but we're supposed to be able to talk about him and our individual intimate relationship with him so that we can convince other people that this is the Messiah, the one who loves us, the one who freed us from our sins, freed us from the power of fear and death so that we could live the gospel radically. And it doesn't matter <clears throat> what's in store for us. Again, we worry about that. Am I going to suffer in my old age? Am I going to come down with cancer? Am I going to have enough money for this? Well, that's mammon. That's the way of the world. Where Jesus says, I don't know what's going to happen, Jesus, but I trust you. And I want to follow you each and every day. It's very clear from the gospel message that the one group that knew who Jesus was and proclaimed it were the demons. They knew who he was and they proclaimed who he was to the people. So they knew 
Now the question we have to ask about them is, well, if you knew who he is, why did you turn away from him? So even the devils at some point said no to God. They did not want to live a radical life of praising God and following the Lord. But this again, and I've said this again and again, it's our story, it's the template of, of human life, it's what people go through, and the hope of it being written down is that at least some people are going to say, oh, finally I get it. And I don't want to repeat that story, and therefore I'm going to start living the gospel more radically. But there's the invitation. It's a radical invitation. And when we go into it, and if you think of it as a marriage with the groom who is Jesus and we're the bride, we can't write out a prenuptial agreement. We can't put any conditions on our relationship with God. He wants all of us. And therefore, if we enter into that radical life, we have to be ready for everything, expect anything, but also expect that God's going to be there and love us. And no matter what happens, we will know somehow that God's with us and guiding us so that we don't have to be anxious. So whether we're married or single, whether we're ill, young, old, it doesn't matter. We are convinced because of our personal relationship with God that God's with us, and he's going to lead us through it. And no matter how long we live, whether it's 70 years or 80 years, we're going to die. And hopefully when we die, we're going to say, Lord, you know, it was always about you, not about me. But there's the witness that we as a community are supposed to be providing to the world. That's why God created the church. That's what baptism means that we're supposed to be going into the world and giving a radical understanding of what Jesus Christ is all about. Not just through our words or our buildings, but through our very lives. Seeking out the lost, finding who is um, ill, who needs the deliverance, whatever it might be, that's a full-time job. And that's what we're called to engage in each and every day. So, again, maybe the first question is, do I really want to live the radical life of Jesus Christ? Do I really want to do that? And can we imagine living it more and more? Can we imagine what goes along with that? Can we imagine this community constantly sharing how we are doing that and helping one another to do it better so that the radical part becomes second nature to us. Not what the world tells us to do, not the world that says, okay, what you do in church is one thing, but what you do out in the world is another thing. But rather, what we're doing right here, what we're giving witness to, the radical love of God, is the same radical love of God that we want to give witness to out in the world. So do we want to live that radical life? And what are the practical steps we take each day to live that more radically? What, what is it that, that grabs our attention? What we can do, what we can have, our dreams, whatever it might be, and to think, think more about the dream that God has for us of being with him for all eternity. So again, we're called to be radical 
And we need one another to do that. So that as one gets weak, another one can help them. As one becomes anxious, another can reassure them. So that we're constantly remembering who we are called to be when we gather each Sunday, so that when we go out into the world, we can be radicals. And not care what other people say, what they do to us, but rather to recognize that the call to be a Christian is a radical call. And we're called to live it each day. So that word radical, it's, it's about going to the root of our faith. And the root is Jesus. He is the root of our lives. And are we taking our nourishment from him? And we, are we actually living his life in our own lives each and every day? And if not, what do we need to do to do that more joyfully and more courageously so that other people can know there is a God who loves them and calls them, everyone, to be part of his family.